Wrestling fans, ah, it's that time for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607T. W.S. This weekend, we are back home at the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here on 607 TWS, but I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me as he does each and every week in the co-host chair here, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Goddamn right we're talking some pro wrestling. And this week, we got all the drama out with that special edition. And yes, I we seen, did. I seen it. I seen all of the numbers. I seen it for the week before and that. And we're climbing. And thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. We want to we wanna let you guys know that because of you, the listeners, it energizes us to do more and more. So thank you so much for being there to listen to our takes on wrestling, as we call it right down the middle. And that's what we always aim for. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, Ken M, we've had a, I've had a light wrestling weekend. I mean, I did watch some wrestling this weekend, but I, you know, I had the kids' football game, mm-hmm. his first varsity game. It was also his birthday, so happy birthday, Crazy Curtis! Happy I know birthday! That was on the ninth, but you know, we we did that, and then we had a, a wonderful uh, dinner. You came with us, so yes. the next night we had a wonderful dinner for him the day after his birthday, because obviously with the game we couldn't do that. So the day after we had a birthday dinner with Crazy Curtis, and then we went to Luma, which is this awesome projection festival here in Binghamton that they do yearly so that was great Mm -hmm. and we watched some fucking football yes we did I'm not going to get into that although I'm very disappointed in my Las Vegas Raiders as they start off the season 0-1 Ken on the other hand on Thursday got to celebrate as his Buffalo Bills went 1-0 with a dominant victory over the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams congratulations thank you thank you I'll take that but memo Josh Allen stop running shoulder first and I know this is a wrestling podcast, but let's talk about a small elephant in the room, and that, of course, is the UFC. It's on near and dear to our hearts. We'll start off with that combat sport before we jump into anything. And, man, I, for once in my life, and this is a big deal, I agreed with Conor McGregor. Yeah. As Conor <laughs> McGregor said it all, he said, we shouldn't be moving around things for Chimeyev. Chimeyev gleefully and smirked and said, huh, not too bad after he came in too heavy eight pounds too heavy seven yep. and a half technically with the allowage unacceptable and could causing a whole bunch of problems for the card this past weekend but i know they just shuffled the deck they gave him a different opponent they gave nate diaz tony ferguson they moved some things around and i just think that was the wrong thing to do now mind you it was great to see tony ferguson versus nate diaz nate diaz oh, sure ends his ufc contract so right now. now for now for right now he ends his ufc contract by defeating Tony Ferguson via submission, mm-hmm. which was surprising to see. Yeah, but this was a, a classic fight just for the nostalgia factor. But I do agree that like, if this was five years ago, this would have been amazing. But both the fighters have kind of moved on and have different perspectives going on. I know Nate is looking to go box Jake Paul. There's, uh, there's rumors of that. 
Connor and him are talking about doing something possibly outside the UFC, which is weird. The only way they'd be able to do it is with a straight up boxing match. That's right. the only thing. Which right. I, I mean, maybe, but I think Dana would want a piece of that. Yeah, but you, but you never know. He didn't. Uh, he got a little bit of a taste of the other one. But who knows? I know that uh, basically Connor had made the thing like we'll make that. You know, he gave him congratulations, which is unusual for him. Although he defended that by saying, "I don't ever talk shit first. I always, uh, but I clean it up." Yeah. But with this, he was <laughs> like, you know. Very respectful, saying Nate Diaz does a lot for the business and fucking, you know, great win and, you know, see you down the road. We'll definitely make, no matter what, we'll make this uh, third match happen, whether it's here or elsewhere, mm-hmm. basically. So that puts the hot seat on Dana White. Yeah, That's what I feel like it is. Well, it's going to be an interesting play he does moving forward because obviously Connor is sitting there waiting in the wings for a marquee fight. And the Nate Diaz trilogy fight is the one to make at this stage it's the money fight well yeah and he just doesn't want to do it for reasons and like whatever the master plan is with him and what how he sees things i don't know i can't explain it well i'll tell you what dana white's saying and this is going to end this i mean i'll give you your, your rebuttal but that's the end of going to wrestling obviously it's not wrestling i'll tell you what's going to end it is the fact that right now he's just so focused on on making chameyev the next fucking habib and i don't think that's the case he's a good fighter but he's not Habib. Habib never missed weight like this. No. He never uh, had to back out of a fight last minute. I mean, I understand him and Tony Ferguson had the curse fight, but, sure, it, was but never, it was never because one of them, you know, just didn't do something. It was, always because, yeah. it was always because of an injury or just the fucking cards aren't lining up. You know what I mean? Mostly injury. Mm-hmm. Or suspension in the case of, uh, uh, you know, the whole uh, yeah. jump in the crowd brawl. but. Anyways, it never happened like this. Mm-hmm. So I uh, instantly, if this is your pick and this is who you want to push as your next Abib, I think you better fucking really think about that. Just I, uh, once again, Dana's making some real piss poor moves lately, and all that needs to happen now is somebody to come along and make another fucking you know MMA place as a destination. And you know who you should probably be looking at? The same people that you do business with in Dubai, because look what they did with golf. It's going to be an interesting situation moving forward because I think you're right on the head. They're severely lacking star power in the UFC right now. Like, and the fact that Chimaev got a pass. And arguably, you've taken a look at how many fighters have missed weight. Rumble Johnson comes to mind, coming in way overweight before he finally settled going to light heavyweight. It's a situation that they need to figure out and figure out quick, but I think that since there's nobody else that's drawing right now with a big transition in the guard, like with Nate Diaz leaving... There's a big void that needs to be filled, and they're going to try making Chimaev the next big star in the UFC. I think it's just a bad look right now, especially with how he handled himself during that whole weigh-in and press conference deal. is just absolutely atrocious. Exactly. I agree. Maybe sometime we'll do a UFC podcast. <laughs> yeah. Although, you can always tune in, because I'm sure you'll be talking about it this week on the Ochadura Parlay Hour podcast, at least a little bit. We will have something to say, because Joey from the So Wizard podcast is coming in, so we're going to be talking about the NFL, talking UFC, and... You just kind of that's going to be taken along because there's a lot to digest from week one of the NFL. Of course, that'll be out on Tuesday, Tuesday, yes. Tuesday, everywhere you get great podcasts. But you know what? Let me stop chilling for that because let me let the man chill himself. How do they find that episode that comes out, you know, Tuesday and then, of course, on Wednesdays pretty much every week? And how do they get a hold of you on social media and stuff over at the ODPH Ken M? Very simple. You swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on the social media accounts. They're right there on the front page. All the links are there. The Patreon is there. And thank you to everybody who signed up for our Patreon. One tier, $2, and a lot of content on the way. The T Public Store. In the Parlay Points section of the, of the website, which is the blog section. And we have a brand new blogs count anywhere up. Talking Pro Wrestling Revolver. Talking a little AEW. And talking about MLW Super Series going on this weekend, too. A big uh, 
collaboration with Dragon Gate, AAA, MLW, and IWA down in Atlanta this weekend. So definitely want to go check that out. Really stacked card there as well. And for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. Of course, if you would like to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. All the information's there. All the social media links are there. The link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast is there. Twitch channel, there. Uh, T Public Store is also there. Go buy some swag. I got some new stuff coming up, and I know a sale's coming up this upcoming week mm-hmm. as well. So it's going to be up just in time for that sale. Uh, believe me, I got to get my... Uh, my my swag on before i go near comic con so there might be some other creators out there getting a little bump ski in their uh paycheck this week i'm just throwing it out there no slights on anybody who's a podcaster if i didn't buy your stuff this time maybe next time but i definitely need some more new wares to go down to new york comic con one month away yeah we're pretty much a month away but i gotta get early because you never know with fucking shipping these days but on top of that you know you can find out all the links there there's even a link you know the 607 tws you can stream it right from 3fmpodcast.com information there there's more stuff coming soon for both 3fn 3fn you can stream there there's friends of the show like the odph stream it from there go right over to their website check them out it's awesome there's the music section and the local sponsors and so much more of course big shout outs uh to the 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 one place that provides us with the most and helps us bring every Everything to you commercial free at 607 podcast of course that's dragon master games for all your magic the gathering gaming needs visit them on the world wide web dragonmastergames.com and that link is there as well but yeah 3fnpodcast.com one stop motherfucking shop that's right let's get vulgar let's do it early and you know what else we're gonna do early let's get right in to the thick of it because ken m check that watch <laughs> That's right, it's time to start this episode of 607 TWS the right motherfucking way. And that is by doing a recap. Now, for those of you that uh, did not listen already, there is a very special bonus edition of the 607 TWS podcast out right now called AEW Reborn, where we jump in and talk all of the drama about the backstage kerfluffle and everything else to do with that, plus also speak on where they're going with the last episode of Dynamite. So we're not going to talk anything about the last episode of Dynamite. Don't say, oh, Rich, you call it right down the middle, but we're not talking about Dynamite. The reason we're not is we've already done that. Mm -hmm. So check that out if you want to hear all what we thought about last week's episode of Dynamite and also all of the drama going on in AEW. So this week, uh, we just have to recap last week's. Now, mind you, we are recording. Show note, peek behind the curtain on monday night yes monday night october the 12th or october september the 12th <laughs> i'm skipping a month in the future because i already want to be at new york comic-con ken M. yes so september the 12th we are recording that night so we're recording because of work and other conflicting schedules mm-hmm. during monday night raw so we're not going to be talking about this week's raw because we're not watching it currently unfortunately i'm gonna have to catch it after i get out of here same with that being said we did not touch upon last week's episode of raw or Rampage or SmackDown. So we're going to focus on that for this opening segment recap. As you know, we recap the week in TV and all the you know all the things we took away from it. So let's start last week's Monday Night Raw, and I think there's one big addition, one big surprise that went down. And, of course, that was the return of Braun Strowman. And, no, it was not a secret. We knew about it coming in. However, we did not know how he would return. He returned in a four-way tag match to destroy eight men. Yes. Which, how else would you bring back a monster among men? Also on top of that, looking strong as shit, coming out, gigantic pop for the man. So obviously he has not lost popularity. 
Let me pass it to you, Ken M. How do you feel about the return of Braun Strowman? Strowman looked like a million bucks. I don't think he's ever looked this good in the ring. And definitely the fans were a super excited to see him back in. And WWE did the right play by making him the monster amongst monsters. And he set that example going into SmackDown as well. Even like the little match he had with Otis. And Otis held his own too, I have to say. That match was very underrated for what it was. Oh, I agree. I, I thought this was a very good uh, return. I love the crowd reaction. I didn't know how the crowd was going to react to Braun Strowman. I don't know, you know. But it's nice to see him change his narrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see what you did there. See what I did there. And uh, come back to World Wrestling Entertainment. Obviously, Triple H kind of righting some of the wrongs of the past. We were all shocked when Braun Strowman was let go from World Wrestling Entertainment. Mm-hmm. There was no reason behind it. He hadn't you know, caused any <laughs> that we knew problems. Right. He, there was no controversy. I mean, there's, you know, whatever about his personal political views. If you don't agree with him, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But you know, outside of that, there was really, by the way, those same views are held by Vincent Kennedy McMahon, right. who was so, running the shop at the time. So we always were kind of curious to why Braun got the ax. Yeah. It was never a deal breaker. Cause Vince is Vince is Vince. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm not even trying to shit on the man. I'm right. just saying the facts. So it was always a shocker to all of us that Braun Strowman was let go. So coming back, hey, listen, sometimes you need a big monster. I said that before when we were talking about the rumor getting out last week, mm. or actually two, yeah, the last week's episode. And I, I kind of said the same thing I'm going to say now. It was you, sometimes you just need a big monster. And especially when, if the injury bug comes back around, sometimes you can plug and play the big monster because the big monster can be in the main event. The big monster can be in the opening contest. The big monster can fill in when people are injured. Right. And because you don't really need much of a storyline besides David and Goliath. Yes. And sometimes Goliath versus Goliath in certain cases. So you never know. I, I want to rule out a feud between him and Omus. If uh, Triple H is trying to repackage, I wouldn't even say repackage, if he's trying to pull further along Omis, which I don't think he's come where a lot of people would have hoped he would be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we haven't seen him lately. I think he's getting more work done. I know Undertaker is now down in uh, Florida training people at the facility, so I'm sure that Omis is one of them. Yes. He has been. So maybe they bring him back to have like a monster versus monster feud, and he can learn a little something from Braun, because say what you will about Braun Strowman, he knows how to play the role of a big badass monster in the wrestling world oh facts also to be noted this past week or well two weeks you know by the time you hear this two weeks ago on monday night raw of course was the first night of dominic mysterio joining judgment day in the rhea ripley promo oh my god well, it's one of her best jobs on yes. the mic. I got to give her credit for it. How'd you feel about how all that went down ken M? I love it i rhea with judgment day is working for me I, she has done no wrong. She's really embraced this heel role and ran with it. In fact, like I don't doubt her just taking over this faction and kicking Finn out at one point. That's how good she's been with this. And the whole setup with her and Dom is working. And definitely it's creating a great storyline, moving this whole deal with Edge and Rey Mysterio forward. I'm, I'm all in on this one. Yeah, I like it. I want to see where it goes. Dominic Mysterio was a kind of a bust as a face anyways. Yeah. So now, uh, you know, maybe a new coat of paint will make him a little better, and maybe people will like it a little more. The slick back hair and stuff, I don't know how I felt about the look, but hey, it's a work in progress. We'll see what's going on, of exactly. course. As we record tonight, it is. it has already been announced that it will be Edge versus Dominic Mysterio, so we're going to see what that happens uh, with the fallout from that. So you'll have to wait till next week, unfortunately, to catch our opinions on that, but... We know that's going down. We also know that Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, making his return to the ring. We found that out in a wrestling match, and it's going to be against Chad Gable. So when you're hearing this, this already went down. You're going to say, but Rich, I already saw it. You're right, but we're not seeing it right now. I'm just reminding you. Yes. 
with that being said let's switch gears let's go over to smack dizzles and uh they had a big uh call up if you will on smackdown finally toxic attraction is on the main roster they brought him up for a nice little package nice little promo not in the ring yet but you don't need to do that. It's a known commodity. And the, for those who don't know, they're going to find out real quick. How are you feeling about Toxic Attraction being added to the SmackDown roster? Long overdue, and I'm all in about this. One of the best talents in all of NXT 2.0 is finally getting a chance to run on the main roster. I'm all in. I think it's making a stronger women's division. We're building stronger women's divisions everywhere. First on Raw, we got back... Uh, you know, damage control as they're known now, yes. Bailey, EO Sky, and Dakota Kai. And now you flip the page over on SmackDown. You're bringing up a trio in Toxic Attraction, Mandy Rhodes, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane. This is going to be, this is great. Yeah. I mean, and especially the work Mandy's been doing in NXT. If you have not seen her character transformation from when you saw her on the main roster last through NXT, it's a day and night difference, and she is going to be one of the biggest names on WWE programming, bar none. Unfortunately, this is a situation where I kind of wish that right now on SmackDown, no offense, and I know if anybody's upset about it, go ahead and message me about it, but I'm going to tell you, this would have been, like, if this was months ago, it probably should be Mandy Rose, who is your current reigning WWE Women's SmackDown champion. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that would have been a believable, more believable fight against Ronda Rousey and, and Shayna Baszler and such than the Liv Morgan stuff is. Once again, we got the, you know, Clash of the Castle, we said. We said, we, oh, they're building her up. And once again, I think they built her too soon. And they tried to push the envelope a little too much because the crowd is still rebelling against it. And it's because nobody in their right mind believes that Liv Morgan can beat Shayna Baszler, let alone Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yeah, I think this might be one of the few misfires they've done is just how they've handled the progression of Liz or Liv. So if Mandy was in this position, I don't know because Mandy being such a such a heel, I I don't know if they if you swapped and you put her in the face role for this, if it would still work the same way. Maybe. I mean, I'm just saying that in her in the ring, she has a more tough style. Yes, I agree that, with that, that. She has developed over the last year in NXT, mm-hmm. and we're seeing she throws great strikes. She can submission wrestle. Like she's really come a long way. Yes, as a wrestler, I think the best stop for her was NXT, and it built a lot of confidence and it built a great character. And if you don't believe it, you'll get to see firsthand. If you've not been watching NXT, is you only watch Raw or SmackDown, you're going to get to see firsthand that Mandy Rose is the real deal. Facts. And like I said, I once again, it's looking at hindsight as twenty. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. And I understand why they put the belt on Liv. She's a fan favorite. She got the pop, and then just like. And this is what I warn about all the time on this show. You get the pop, and then what? And it's then, and what? And it's what have you done? And it's nothing that she's done in particular. It's just looking across at the rivals in the ring. Mm -hmm. So the crowd went, oh, yay. The person we want won. Woo. And then what? Okay, we get a controversial win over Ronda. And that should have been enough for the face to keep the, the momentum going, but it fell apart quicker than most things because people went, we don't believe this. Yeah. And once again, it goes back to like Kofi Mania. Mm-hmm. I like to point this out all the time. As a person who sat at MetLife Stadium at WrestleMania 35 and watched Kofi Mania unfold when Kofi Kingston, rightfully so, became WWE champion. It didn't take but a couple months. Liv was a little quicker, obviously. It took less than a month for them to turn on her, but it took a couple months and then people turned on Kofi and were like, wait a minute, he's not believable as champion. So sometimes it's the climb that gets you there. And we've heard this a lot in AEW as well. 
They booked the climb super well. The fans are behind the climb. And I don't think it's just AEW. I mean, AEW was booking it better than WWE was. Yeah. But even now you're seeing in WWE, sometimes fans are there for the climb. But once they achieve that climb, once they achieve that goal, the fans go, yeah, I don't believe this. And it's something weird. I mean, everybody loves to get behind the underdog. Well, that's the whole thing. The underdog story was so great in the build, and especially for Liv and her character throughout the past couple of years to finally get that moment. But I think that that's just one of those misfires they did. But like you touched on, it relates much how like when Kofi finally got the belt, and then what? And even in AEW, when Hangman Page got the belt, and yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. So it's just a matter of how do you try getting the ship steered on back on its course? I don't know how they do this without having Liv drop the belt completely and then see where we go from here. Like, it might be as just simple as moving her back to Raw from SmackDown. Speaking of which, Ronda Rousey had a hell of a showing on SmackDown. Yo. They let her be a badass. Yep. And it happened. And it was a great submission thing. I mean, I love I loved the interaction between her and Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. So they're at least going to be on the same page for the time being. And then we got a great, we got to see Rhonda in her natural habitat. And I thought that was pretty fucking impressive. Amazing. So I hope they continue that. Do not take the brakes off. Let Rhonda be a badass. Mm-hmm. That is what you need to do. That's what they should have been doing since day one. And I hope they continue that. Just She just needs to smile less. And she didn't smile a lot in this segment. So it proves she can do it. And maybe she's learning. Well, I think with Triple H, they're now probably helping her really, you know, fine tune that character. I think, yeah. Of course, uh, we had another big debut. Well, it wasn't really a debut because the person technically debuted at Clash of the Castle, Mm -hmm. but we finally got to see Solo Sequoia as part of the Bloodline, and he was in a main event matchup on his first night in SmackDown, repping the Bloodline to take on Drew McIntyre, the man he screwed out of the belt. I thought it was a good spot. I thought thought Sequoia looked awesome in this match. Gave me a lot of Umaga flares. Yeah, I definitely agree with you about that. I mean, what a high praise to get first match of the night you put in with Drew or on the main roster you put in with Drew McIntyre, main event of SmackDown, and he handled himself very well. Absolutely, I thought it was very good of him. I also thought that uh, the only thing I would say that he had to work on really is the selling. He did a little. Yeah. His selling was a little whatever, but you know what? And there, that's going to get better. But I that, think that comes nerves, with time. Yeah, there's probably nerves there. You're in the main event on your first time on the upper roster, so taking that all into account, I thought he did amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's not the story of the night. Story of the night is how SmackDown ended as the TV went to black and white. I thought that I had to buy a new one. But no, 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 no. It was because Karrion Cross had his way with Drew McIntyre continuing the feud. I liked it. They're showing that Karrion Cross is an animal. He's a monster. He is a contender. And this continuation with Drew McIntyre, I think this is a great first uh, program to put Karrion Cross in to keep him in that main event picture because Drew's a main event guy. So that means by association, Karrion Cross, main event guy. Mm-hmm. I love what they're doing with him. What do you think about the way SmackDown ended with Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre? Really dug it. Really enjoyed how they flipped to black and white. Kind of giving him that supernatural edge, but not giving him that. The, you know, you expect with like a Bray Wyatt or Undertaker. This was a perfect moment to get him back in and especially establishing carrying cross as a main event talent like whether you love him or hate him he's a main event guy and he was really put in that position you know since they've been pushing the envelope a little bit you know what i would really like to see there the only thing that i'm going to take out and this is not you know me i'm not big on necessarily blood and wrestling comes for the guy who watches death matches and everything outside no but sure if it, it, it unless it's a death match because it's going to happen i think it's got it you got to do it for a reason i think with this black and white it's good to push the envelope and maybe that's what have been a route it's a bust open Drew, so Drew's bloody, but because of the black and white, 
You don't see it. You don't. You, you know the you know the critics, if you will, the you know the FCC or whatever, isn't going to come down as hard on you. And on top of that, it would be a cool reason to show that pun completely intended. The Carrying Cross is a fucking killer, mm-hmm. and I think that that's what the black and white really does. And I think it's it's a great looking presentation, especially for their entrance. And I think if you use it in the smart way and use a couple blood spots in the smart way with the black and white. I think you could see where that's a really cool presentation to show how much of a killer he truly is. I could see that. And I think that would be a good idea. Now, hopefully, that's something that they work out. But it does give it a little more violent sensibilities that, hey, man, we had to go to black and white because this motherfucker's a killer. Mm-hmm. I like it. I dig it. Let's jump over to All Elite Wrestling. Like I said, Dynamite, we did a whole special where we talked about Dynamite. We talked about the problems. Let's talk about something that good that happened on AEW Rampage. I don't watch a lot of Rampage. I'll catch good matches on Rampage, but let's be honest. AEW does themselves no favors in booking Rampage. I don't know if they really book it as much watch TV. Maybe a match or two on. Occasionally there's a good, you know, but I don't really think, and I think that's the biggest problem with it. It's a bad time spot, too. We've talked about that yeah. before. And I'm not here just to judge on them, but they had a great match this week, and I think it flew under the radar because it was on Rampage. And that says to me that we need to make Rampage feel more important. Later in the show, in the main event, we're going to talk about some AEW news. <laughs> There's some some funny stuff going on out there in the world of All Elite. Yeah. But then we're also going to talk about some positives to like what the stretch for the future. And I, I can say, I'll give you a tease right here. I think a positive for the future is we need to build up Rampage. Like I said, I get it. It's in a tough time slot. But we could do things there. Make it the Ring of Honor show. I agree. Make it like you know, make it where the young talent is. Maybe you put a couple marquee names on every week, so it draws the people. But then on top of that, put some interesting, good wrestling on there. Some from four ways. Do some scrambles. Do a six man scramble with some young talent. You know, let's get some interesting because I think you could tune some people in. You're never going to get SmackDown or Raw numbers on Rampage because it's not, not a good time slot. But there could be some interest in it. We could see some more videos coming out of it. And proof of this is this this what we're going to talk about now has got a lot of views on YouTube. It's got a lot of probably views across uh, you know VO you know video on demand sites. And that of course is the Ring of Honor Championship match between your champion Claudio Castagnoli and Dax Harwood of the FTR. Once again, big match Dax is what I'm going to start calling him. Yes. Because he is not striking out at all. Once again, this match was fire. This is a great match. And I think that if it was on any show but Dynamite, or obviously the YouTube shows, if this was if this was on Dynamite, I should have said it that way. I said it backwards. Mm. This was on Dynamite. I think this match would have been talked about a lot more than what we got talked about this week. And I think that's a travesty because this is a great match. How did you feel about Dax versus Claudio from Rampage? This was a five-star match. Dax has been killing it on the singles run. And this match, I agree with you, should have had more buzz. Way more buzz. I've been screaming about making AEW Rampage the ROH Rampage on Blocks County for a while, so I'm completely co-signing with what you're saying there as well. That's what they should do. And this match, this show kind of felt like it to do a, like a test run with that. I mean, sure, you opened with Darby and Sammy and the world title tourney. And I th- honestly think that was the worst match of the night, but it was still good. Like, that's the one weird thing about it. I just didn't like the finish. I will say the sliding diamond cutter coming out um, the Darby did, Darby got hit with, I thought was great. But then you had Joe cut a promo, obviously building up a feud there with uh, Sterling's faction. So he's taking on Josh Woods next week. And then Serena D versus Madison Rain, which I thought was a very good match that is completely flying under the radar. And then you had that main event. You had quality wrestling for 60 minutes 
that I think deserves a lot more hype around it. And I think if they start going in the direction, which Tony kind of alluded to in the AEW All Out Scrum about now that the roster is healthy, he's able to shift more main event talent per se to Rampage to try help and boost the numbers there. As long as they kind of follow the formula they they did with Rampage this week, which put some of your ROH talent there, put them against a great mix of your AEW talent and really build that brand up. So then whatever the future you're going to do with Ring of Honor is going to be stronger because you're now exposing that AEW audience to Ring of Honor. Isn't that considered a second thought? And this match should be getting a lot more praise. Hell, they should, if time allows it, run it back on Dynamite next week. Like, don't take anything away from the live crowd. Give them something, you know, like a dark match to watch instead. But run it to the major audience and really get some eyes on that match because a lot more people should be talking about it. Oh, I agree. And like I said, I'm with you 125% with the whole, you know, what's going down right now currently with Rampage and the attitude of it. And it's just kind of one of those things. It just has to be out there and about. And, you know, it is what it is. And the match, though, phenomenal. Yes. Love the match. Dax Harwood's putting on some of the best stuff out there right now, whether it's tags, signals, no matter what, he just fucking delivers. I think he's the MVP of AEW this year. He's really, he's in that conversation. I wouldn't say he's there just yet, but man, he's in that conversation completely. I mean, I haven't seen him have a bad match all year. No, but just for like how much singles time he's, he's gotten, he's gotten a few far between, but when he's made the time in the ring, he runs with it. It is what it is. We'll find out more as the as the time goes on. But that's going to do it for our recap. Once again, if you wanted to hear our takes on Dynamite and all the drama that was from the past week on AEW, make sure you check out the special bonus uh, episode if you haven't already over here at 607TWS. Like I said, if you're already on the stream, you're already hearing us talk, it's already there. Check it out. It's called AEW Reborn. Check that out. And that is why we're not talking any AEW currently. In the main event, we will be talking more AEW. But what we're going to do now is we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back from the break, it's going to be time for the mid-card. And in the mid-card, it is now fully on return of the Indie Roundup. We're going to talk about what went down this past weekend for GCW. We're going to talk about some big news for Circles. And we're also going to preview this upcoming week for Game Changer Wrestling as well as Pro Wrestling Revolver. All of that and more after this break. Ken's getting that at again. Ken is getting funky. You know that could only mean one thing. 
It is time for the mid-card of this week's 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. Get it, brother. Ah. Oh, yeah. Bringing them back down, bringing them back down, fading it out because we got a lot of wrestling to talk about still. And when you're in the mid-card, you know it's time to talk some indie roundup. Are you ready, Ken M? Let's do this. Well, it was, uh, you know, there were some events that went on this weekend. By the way, shout outs to, uh, you can see it on IWTV, but shout outs to ICW if you're a deathmatch wrestling fan. This past week at their No Holds Barred event, Casey Cattell became the American Deathmatch Champion. So now both of the, the two biggest deathmatch titles in the United States of America or North America as a whole, if you will, now belong to women. So that's a big moment. So pr- congratulations to Casey Cattell. Mickey Knuckles even put it out there that Casey Cattell is probably the best female deathmatch wrestler of all time. What are your thoughts? Fantastic. Love this. And I rightfully so, I, I got to say, got to be in that conversation 1,000%. Now all we need to do, because we know that Casey Cattell has, uh, you know, because Brandon, Brandon Cattell, sorry. Well, we're going to call him by his worker name, which is Brandon Kirk. But mm-hmm. we all know he is the wife of the world-famous deathmatch wrestler, Casey Cattell. Right. Uh, so Brandon Cattell uh, is work, works for GCW and uh, JCW. Casey has as well, so maybe Casey needs. Uh, maybe we need to have that dream match. Ooh. Casey Cattell versus Yimi, uh, Rina Yamisha for all the marbles. That would be epic. All the marbles. Uh, let's stay with Independent Wrestling TV, by the way, and a big debut over there. As you and I, we're not even key on this. Uh, my, my sources at independentwrestling.tv and Smartmark Video. You owe me a little bit of explanation here. All of a sudden, I turn on my TV on Friday in Booyakasha. I got every Circle Six event. Circle mm. Six has signed a deal with IWTV. Not only that, Circle Six had a big event called Catalyst Six. Yes. On Friday night, that was on Fight.tv. You can get the replay on Fight.tv, where Atticus Koger became the first and new Circle Six heavyweight champion. Guess what, though? The very next night, they had a live show on IWTV, and it looks like that's going to go forward. Big things happening for Circle Six as it relates to IWTV. Your thoughts on the addition of Circle Six to IWTV, what it means for them and the brand. Huge move for Circle Six and IWTV. Love this. I think this is going to be beneficial to both parties immensely. And with Circle Six, I mean, this is one area that you and I have been both very critical of them, is obviously getting their shows on streaming. It's not going to take forever and a day to get uh, watch the shows. Now it just is going to jump through hoops. Yeah, like the whole the whole ordeal, and that's the honest way to put it. This is going to clean up a lot of things for them, and I can only see them going, you know, with bigger things going because they had that hybrid ladder match for the world title too. So now with Kogar with the belt, I mean, the sky's the limit for this promotion. And what an impact on uh, on uh, IWTV as Ricky Shane Page, yeah. Atticus Kogar's brother in four four zero, turned his back and destroyed Atticus to open the show. That was wild. So we'll see where it goes from there. Also, to be noted, <laughs> we've got some beef that's reboiling its head between ICW and Circle Six. ICW is their home base is on IWTV. Now Circle Six is there. I don't know how real and how shoot this is in this day and age because you never know. But right. uh, I do know a few months back, Atticus Kogar no showed 
an ICW show, which pissed off Danny Demento, the owner of ICW. There was a lot of beef back and forth, and then we didn't hear much about it. All of a sudden, though, I know that ICW is going out to California for the first time. The wrestling, I do believe, in the same building that uh, Circle Six wrestles in in California. I believe so. And basically, Danny Demento came to the ring at the ICW show where Casey Cattell won the belt and said, hey, first of all, fuck Atticus Kogar. I know some people here like him, and that's why people do business with him, but fuck him. He's he's nothing but a bitch. Exact words. Mm-hmm. He then turned around and said, listen, I'm not challenging you to a wrestling match because that's cliche and that's not what's happening here. I'm telling you that we're coming to the California for the first time. We're going to be in your backyard, your home for Circle Six. And I'm telling you to come to where the, the, the chains are going to be up. Come here. Come to the building. Get in this ring and say that shit you say on the internet to my face because I'm going to smack the fucking taste out of your mouth, you little bitch. I don't know how much real is not. Atticus did respond. This was on Twitter. Atticus said, hey, I had a, the same night that this uh, video was made, my brother turned his back on me. But now I guess I'm going to have to do a Dear Danny Demento video sometime this week. Mm. And he goes, Circle Six, letting them, run in, letting them run in our home. I see how this is. So I don't know how much of it's a work, how much is not. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's... It, it, it's hard to say. I mean, Atticus is a very polarizing figure right now, so maybe there's some more smoke to that fire, but I'm definitely tuning in to see his response video because Atticus cutting promos is amazing work. So let's now jump into another thing on IWTV, and this is going to be the last piece on IWTV for this segment. But this past weekend, Game Changer Wrestling had their third installment of the settlement series for <laughs> IWTV. So this was on IWTV. You can watch the replay now on IWTV for $9.99 a month. Remember, use that promo code ABSOLUTE. Uh, Boon, this came from Boontown, New Jersey, from the Boontown Elks Lodge. By the way, I don't know if you heard this or not, but between JCW and GCW, uh, Brett has said he wants to wrestle in every like county of New Jersey. That's his goal. So, I could, I could, believe, I could see this. So I could, this is I coming to this. you from a little different place than normal. Uh, this mat, this this night was known for the karaoke. I was going to say it's karaoke, right? Yes. So we're not going to dive into the karaoke. You need to see the replay. Watch. You need to watch this because the karaoke stuff was amazing. We're just going to go over the matches real quick. It was a great match. Uh, first in your opening contest, Steve Scott defeated Rico Gonzalez in nine minutes and sixteen seconds. A nice little uh, veteran match there. Uh, the tag we had next up, we had a tag match: Young, Dumb, and Broke, represented by Charlie Tiger and Ellis Taylor defeated Petty and Pink, which was Dylan McQueen and Kenzie Page in 7 minutes and 48 seconds. Next match was Dustin Waller as he defeated Terry Yaki in 8 minutes and 39 seconds. I like that Terry Yaki and Dustin Waller are both getting a lot more opportunities mm-hmm. in uh, Game Changer Wrestling and JCW. Bobby Flacco defeated Rolando Perez in 5 minutes and 11 seconds. Bam Sullivan defeated Donnie Janela. That's right. Don't, not to be confused with Joey, Joey Janela, 9 minutes and 31 seconds. The East Coast legend, the Grim Reefer, defeated Hunter Drake in 6 minutes and 23 seconds. The East Coast ace, Jordan Oliver, defeated Brandon Kirk in 12 minutes and 15 seconds. Great match. Probably my favorite match of this card. Yes. Sumi Sakai made her return to GCW and defeated Jimmy Lloyd in 7 minutes and 40 seconds. And last but not least, in the main event of the evening, All Elite Nick Wayne defeated East Coast legend Ezreal 11 minutes and 17 seconds. And that finished out 
Settlement Series 3 on IWTV, but they were not done on Saturday as Game Changer Wrestling presents Jersey Championship Wrestling Uncensored, also from the Boontown Elks Lodge in Boontown, New Jersey. Are you ready? This match is started off bloody and crazy as we opened up the show with a barbed wire death match. Old Mansur, Mance Warner taking on Slade. 14 minutes and 25 seconds, they wrestled to a no contest because out of fucking nowhere, Hoodfoot came out and destroyed both men. Oh, shit. Uh, by the way, Hoodfoot also wrestled on the ICW show that same day. So <laughs> I just want to throw it out there. A little, little uh, crazy shit going on Wow. Here. Next up, we had a DDT Extreme title body slam challenge match. Joey Janela putting the title on the line against Beastman. It took him 13 minutes and 17 seconds, but he finally slammed the big man, and Joey Janela is still your DDT Extreme champion. Next up on the card, we had a bull rope match. Charles Mason defeated the one called Manders no. in 12 minutes and 35 seconds. You can't give him anything he can choke somebody with. Ah. I'm just going to say that. Next up, the Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Championship was on the line. Your champion, the king of wreck shit mountain, Cole Raderick. By the way, on IWTV, he has a great in the life of Cole Raderick, so check that out. Hmm. Uh, he took on Alec Price. That match got 11 minutes and 37 seconds at the end of the day. And still your Game Changer Wrestling Extreme Champion, Cole Raderick. In a martial arts match, Speedball yeah, Mike speedball Bailey defeated Yoya. In 12 minutes and 9 seconds. Ooh, that's got to be a great match. We also had a last woman standing match. Sawyer Wreck defeated Janai Kai in 8 minutes and 4 seconds. Hmm. Next up was a Lucha Extrema tag team match. Los Macisos, Ciclope and Miedo Extremo defeated Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay, and Marcus Mathers in 18 minutes and 6 seconds. This match got violent. I can only imagine. And last, but certainly not least, in the main event of the evening, Masha Slamovich defeated Jungle Koyoina 14 minutes and two seconds. And Masha's great year in Game Changer Wrestling continues on. This is a fantastic card. This is on uh, Game Changer YouTube. That's right. If you want to watch the replay of this, it's simple. You can watch it for free. Go to Game Changer Wrestling's YouTube channel, and you can watch all Jersey Championship Wrestling shows, including this one. It was a great one. That's what I got to do. I got to catch up on this. The only one I got a chance to see was from the Settlement Series with Jordan. Now let's kick over to previewing this upcoming week, and let's start with the 16th of September. As Game Changer Wrestling invades Liverpool, Maryside, England, at Hangar 34 for GCW Live in Liverpool. Are you ready to talk about what's on the card for this? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we have a Joey Janela, the bad boy, taking on all elite Nick Wayne. Oh, that's going to be great. England's own Robbie X taking on our favorite asshole, Tony Deppin. All right. Always ready, Matt Cardona. Oh, goes one-on-one -on -one with Mad Kurt. Okay. This is going to be the funnest match of the night, ladies and gentlemen. I promise you, in a singles match, Session Moth Martina takes on Effie. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. This could be the match of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Up next, in a singles match, the East Coast Ace, the Cloucutta, Jordan Oliver, goes one-on-one -on -one with All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian. Take my money now. In a match that we've been trying to see for a while, but it's finally going to happen in the UK. In a fucking death match, 
Mr. 3P himself, and one half of the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Champions. Also, your reigning TNT Deathmatch Champion, that's right in England, mm-hmm. Alex Cologne, the Blood Fighter, goes one-on-one with Drew Parker. Oh, fuck. In a singles match, we got Ali Catch versus Millie McKenzie. And in the last match they have left, I, I'm hoping this is the main event because I don't know if it gets bigger than this. In an ultra-violent war match, Big Joe takes on the other half of the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Ooh. Team Champions, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. They take on Clint Margera. And the last, because it's a four-way, you're fucking with a different kind of boy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. That's an excellent four-way. Main event four-way. It's going to be amazing. And, and it's ultra-violent rules. That's going to be freaking wild. To, to put it mildly, like just knowing who's involved in this match. And I just actually got confirmation while we were talking. The death match between Alice Colon and Drew Parker will be for the TNT death match championship or extreme championship, I think they call it. Man, that match is going to be absolutely crazy. Well, the very next night, also from Hangar 34 in Liverpool, Maryside, England... TNT Extreme Wrestling and Game Changer Wrestling pr- pr- bring you TNT versus GC Dub. Are you ready to hear the, uh, what we got going on here? Yeah, let's talk about it. In a singles match, we have the bad boy Joey Janela repping Game Changer Wrestling, taking on Gene Mooney representing TNT. Okay. In the next contest, representing GC fucking Dub, Daddy Effie. As representing TNT, he takes on Shy Monet. Okay. Next singles match, repping Game Changer Wrestling, 607 TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin. And he takes on representing TNT, Man Like Duras. Mm. Okay. In a tag team matchup, repping Game Changer Wrestling, the East Coast Ace Jordan Oliver and All Elite Nick Wayne. And they are going to take on representing TNT, Kings of the North, Bonesaw, and Damian Corvin. Okay. Next up, repping Game Changer Wrestling, Allie Catch. And she takes on repping TNT, Lizzie Evo. Oh, that'd be great. That's going to be a great match. And then, repping. TNT this time first. Robbie X takes on repping Game Changer Wrestling. All heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world. Blake Christian. Ooh, that's going to be a phenomenal one. And what I could only assume is going to be the main event of the evening. It's a six-man tag death match war as Team TNT, Big Joe, Clint Margera, and Drew Parker are going to take on the different kind of boy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, as he tags with the reigning, undisputed, game-changer wrestling world tag team champions, the Mega Bastards, Mr. Three-Pete himself, the Blood Fighter, Alex Colon, and the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. I, you know, I thought, how are they going to top that four-way? That six man is going to be absolutely bananas. Six of the best death, ma- well, five of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, and then th- one of the greatest hybrid wrestlers in the world in Jimmy Lloyd. Yeah, hey, Jimmy Lloyd does a lot of good deathmatches, but he also wrestles regular size, so that's why I like to call him hybrid. Yeah, no, that's a fair statement. But Jesus, man, that match! 
Well, that's not even all we have to talk about because I, I heard that there's another huge, huge, huge show coming down here in the States, and that's going down also on Saturday, September 17th. By the way, those uh, GCW shows on Fight.TV get the bundle. But also on Fight.TV, also going down on September uh, 17th, this upcoming Saturday, we've got Wrestling Revolver Tales from the ring. And, of course, Wrestling Revolver is owned by Sammy Callahan. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot. you're going to notice a lot of Impact titles around the line because they have a deal with Impact Wrestling. So are you ready to hear about what's going down this upcoming Saturday from Wrestling Revolver? I can't wait to talk about this card. This thing, it looks amazing. Up first, we got a Campfire Rules match, which I'm not sure what the fuck that is. Uh, you have Dad Scout versus Infrared. And by the way, Dan the Dad is on Dad Scout. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all you need to know for that one. Uh, next up, we're going to have a Monsters Ball match as He's Not Human, PCO, takes on... Warhorse, because he rules, rules ass. ass. Crash Jackson, and of course, Mad Man Fulton. That match is going to get out of control real quick. In an Iowa death match, we got one of the best death match wrestlers in the world today, Joel Bateman, going one on one with a man who does it all, and that is Jake Chris. That's going to be dope. We have a Speedballs Open Challenge match, and the. Impact X Division Championship will be on the line in this match. Your champion, Speedball Mike Bailey, is defending against, ready for this? Not one competitor, not two competitors, not even three, Ken. Hell, not even four. He's defending against five competitors. This is a six-way scramble match. His open challenge was answered by five people, Ken M. This is freaking nuts. And the, and the X Division title is on the line. The Impact Wrestling. X Division title. You ready to hear who he's facing? I can't wait to talk about this. KC Navarro. If you're not familiar, young. Yep. Came up through the CZW Dojo. We've seen him all over the East Coast. He's spreading his wings. He's doing big things. Of course, Space Jesus herself, Billy Starks. Yes. Uh, it looks like a JD Griffey is also in there. Mm -hmm. He's a wrestling revolver mainstay. The Base God Gringo Loco. Hell yes. And last but certainly not least, he's representing the motherfucking Bullet Club, Chris Bay. This match could be a match of the year candidate. I'm not. I'm not overselling this. Look at the talent that's going to be in this ring, and they're going to completely try stealing the show, and they damn well might. And this is a stacked freaking card too. Yeah, I want to throw this out there. This next match is going to be pretty awesome too, because it's a trios dream match. On one side, you have the kingdom. By the way, it's not the original kingdom because mm. the original kingdom would be Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Adam Cole. Baby. However, this is the second incarnation of the kingdom, so it is Mike T Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and, of course, Vincent. Mm -hmm. And they are taking on the rascals made up of Zachary Wentz, uh, Myron Reed, who is filling in obviously now for uh, Zachary. Or, uh, well, no, um, I, I'm trying to remember his indie name because I always remember him as Wesley. Now. Yeah, I know. So, oh, Desmond Xavier. Xavier. Thank you. And of course, last but certainly not least, the man that brings the dollar dollar bills, y'all, Trey Miguel. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be wild. The Kingdom versus the Rascals. That's going to be so fantastic. We have the Wrestling Revolver World Title on the line. Your champion, JT Dunn, and I'm sure he's going to have Allie Catch in his corner. Although he won't because she'll be in England. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's got to go it alone, Ken M. I know. 
and he's going one-on-one with Jessica, formerly known as Havoc. Yes, that's going to be a great match. We got the Impact World's Heavyweight Championship on the line, Ken. (sighs) This match. You ready for it? Oh, my God, yeah. Let's talk about it. Your Impact World Champion, the walking weapon Josh Alexander, goes one-on-one with one called Manders. This is going to be one of the most hard-hitting matches of the weekend by far. Oh, absolutely. And last but certainly not least in the main event of the evening is a tag team grudge match. And, of course, in that tag team grudge match, we have the crew, which, if you're not familiar, the crew is made up of our good friend Rich Swan, mm-hmm. and, of course, Matt Palmer. And they are taking on, mind you, these belts are not on the line, but we might as well say it, your reigning, undisputed, all-elite wrestling world tag team champions swerve in our glory Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. This is going to be absolutely epic. Can't wait to see this match. It's going to be a great night of wrestling. If you are not familiar with Wrestling Revolver, if you're a fan of, of, of Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, AEW, that style of wrestling, you will be a fan of Wrestling Revolver. I really, really highly suggest it. And this is a great card to cut your teeth on. There are some violent matches on there, so it might be a little way to cut your teeth and see if you like little deathmatch action because... I don't think that the Jake Chris Joel Bateman death match is going to be too too horrible. It's not yeah, going to be like Cologne what we're going to see over in uh, in in England, but but it's still a good way to try to get in. But yeah, once again, fight.tv this upcoming Saturday, and of course for GCW action Friday and Saturday from England, both of those shows are available on fight.tv with a bundle. So make sure you check that out. That is going to do it for this week's indie roundup and the mid card. We're going to take our final break. When we come back from this break, it is going to be time for the main event of the evening. That's right. It's the main event of 607 TWS. We're going to be talking some AEW news and some what positive things can AEW do coming out of its darkest days ahead of itself in the next little bit to restore the glory to AEW. All that and more after this break. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! It is time to rumble! It is time! 
time for the main event of this week's 607 podcast presents the wrestling show better known as hashtag 607 TWS and Ken M as promised we're going to talk a little bit of all elite wrestling and there's some news uh, some of it funny some of it truthful some of it crazy and we're not going to dive into any more of the speculation mm-hmm. coming out about the fight because we there's really been nothing new unless you count the uh, uh, kidnapping of the dog angle oh, right that whole freaking story is absolutely hilarious Sorry, in my opinion. So basically, some people have come by the fact that the reason why the fight broke out is because Kenny Omega tried to steal CM Punk's dog. Which, there's no evidence of that, but hey, let's not stop that from a true story from the, uh, what 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 do you call the uh, punk supporters these days? The punk puppies. The punk puppies. I like it. I like it. We're going to coin that. Let, but let's talk about CM Punk, and more importantly, the drama that's been going on in the past couple weeks with Bobby Fish. <laughs> So as we all know, we're going to kind of give you the footnotes. I'm only going to read one quote because it's important to the story as a whole because Bobby Fish has got himself a tag team partner. <laughs> yes, he does. And a one that we're very interested in. Uh, but if you guys bring me up to speed real quick, Bobby Fish decided not to re-sign with All Elite Wrestling two weeks ago, mm-hmm. right before the whole debacle went down at uh, the, uh, all, all Out. Out. Sorry, thank you. Uh, so basically what happened after that is then the internet did the internet things and kind of was like, oh, the only reason CM Punk acted up is Bobby Fish wasn't there. You know, ha ha tee hee hee. Which Bobby Fish then responded by challenging Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, to a fight. Yes. An MMA fight, a kickboxing fight, a karate fight, a street fight, whatever kind of fight he wanted because Bobby Fish can do it all. He then called in the fact that CM Punk sucks at doing martial arts. Amongst other things. And that's going to come in here. So <laughs> this is going to be Bobby Fish talking about when he wrestled CM Punk for AEW, which was on the October 27th episode of AEW Dynamite. Are you ready? <laughs> I am I'm ready to hear this again. Mind you, this is last year's October 20th. Obviously, Still. we haven't gotten October 27th, but here we go. Still. So this is what Bobby Fish says. I'm working for AEW. They're paying my check. You asked me to put my shoulders down for Phil Brooks. I go out and I do it. Interestingly enough, there was a little whatever in the match we had, and Phil was, after the match, Phil was a cunt. Frankly, as a martial artist, I went out and laid my shoulders down for you. You should be grateful that I did that because on on national TV. If I decided that I wanted to fucking haku your ass, I could have because you're a little, you're that little of a threat in my world. I'm not John Jones or Anderson Silva, but I've been doing martial arts long enough to where I can hold you like a wet nap, uh, Phil Brooks. For you to be cunty after for a mistake you made, it doesn't wear well. Not to mention the move he finished me with is not his, it's Kenta's. Phil, you took a man's finishing move. Anyone who knows pro wrestling knows that's fucked up. You weren't even decent enough to change the name. And of course, we've been talking about this for a long time. Mm -hmm. CM Punk took a lot of Kenta's moveset, including the go to sleep, and still calls the go to sleep. The only difference is that Punk did change a little bit. Punk's version is the GTS go to sleep with mm-hmm. the word to, T-O. Right. Whereas Kenta in the original name is the go to sleep, which is the number two. So go number two sleep. Mm-hmm. Same move, same finish. But it's not the same. It's a ding, 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 ding. And, and Kenta said for years that he's never been shown the respect for CM Punk. They explained that that was not CM Punk's move. Mm-hmm. So now... 
the reason we brought that up is because that was quote that that part of the article was quote tweeted by Kenta, and he said, "Hey, Bobby, you are a hundred percent right." Kenta that would then go on to um, cut what I would only call a scathing promo on Twitter. So it's not many, many characters. Right. But this is exactly what he says. Let the world know. One of my worst experiences in this business is that I was not allowed to use my finishing move for four years. A move which I created on my own. What a life in all capital letters. And, of course, people were like, well, that's because you were in WWE and they didn't want people chanting CM Punk. But his point is that if CM Punk never stole his move when he was in WWE, he could have used it the whole time. Because, yes, the logic was they didn't want him using the go to sleep because CM Punk used it. And whenever somebody would use the go to sleep or something similar, people would start the stupid CM Punk chant. Mm -hmm. So I get it. I understand. They finally let him use it. He used it for a little while before he broke uh, Brian Kendrick's face with it. Just throwing it out there, (laughs) being full... Full disclosure. Yep. However, his thing is, hey, if you would have never stole my move. So people were blaming WWE, and his, he instantly was like, no, no, no. The person who stole my move is the reason. I understand why they didn't let me do it. He's the reason. Don't defend him for stealing my fucking move. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then Kenta would go on in the comments to reiterate that he wants to fight CM Punk. And somebody went, well, you've been angling for a match with him for a while. You can't be that mad. And he reiterated, I'm not angling for a match. I want to fight CM Punk and have wanted to fight CM Punk for years. Thoughts? Don't mess with Kenta. Ever. I mean, nothing he said was wrong in my opinion. And he laid it right out there for anybody. Bobby Fish's interview, like I say, still, it hits the point of the narrative that Punk is not exactly the nicest person to a lot of people. I mean, you're hearing all these reports, and this is you're the more this the smoke is kind of building to the fire, you know, it's starting to rage a little more. What Kenta said, I don't think he's anything wrong, and I think this is legit. Like, I don't think this is anything made up for any match whatsoever. I think if legitimately Kenta can fight him, he's going to fight him, and he's going to really hurt him badly. So. I mean, nothing he said was wrong, and I I would be very very scared if Kenta ever gets that wish. Yeah, I would too. Let's see him punk be warned. So not Bobby Fish and Kenta both want to beat your ass. Let's go do a little more fun, if you will, AEW uh, article before we get into some positives, and that is Chris Jericho was just on Inside the Ropes. Oh, and he discussed the first three years of Ollie wrestling. I'm gonna read you the exact quotes here, and then I want your thoughts. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. We've been doing this for three years now and continuing to grow, and this is a big-time corporate business. We are run and paid for by a giant television corporation, so there's always going to be growing pains when you start a company. I think we've done nine things right and maybe one thing wrong or two things wrong, so we learn from that and we continue to build our brand and continue to improve. WWE has a lot of fans, but they've also been around for 50 years. Give us another 47 years to see where we're at. I guarantee we'll still be here. End quote. I do want to point out before I turn it over to you, I love how he goes, we are run and paid for by a giant television corporation. You are not run and paid for. Your show is shown Mm -hmm. on TBS and TNT respectively, and that is part of WB Discovery. However, your company is not ran or owned by them. It is owned by Tony Khan. I'm sure Tony Khan would have a problem with you misleading people on who owns All Elite Wrestling. 
Your TV deals are with WB Discovery for TBS and TNT as of now. Now, once again, the TV deals will be coming up at the end of this year. So they're already trying to get a better deal either from WD Discovery or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So you never know. In a, in a year, you might not be there, which would be interesting for your TNT and TBS titles. However, I digress. What did you think about the other big glaring thing is we've done nine things right, but maybe one eh, or two things wrong. Mind you, this is post all out. What are the nine things? Seriously, like, how can you say you've done nine right and you don't name them? Like, who is doing your math over there? I'm sorry. This just is not adding up. AEW has not been a perfect organization. It's starting to take steps in the right direction. It does have setbacks. I mean, this is the growing pains as Chris was talking about. So I will say that. But you're saying you did nine things right. What specifically? Because it's not a perfect show. Well, you know what? Even if they did nine things right, I I, I take more, uh, you know, umbrage, if you will, with the fact that he said only one or two things wrong. Yeah. Listen, this is post all out. Yeah, exactly. There was two things that happened at all out that were wrong. One, Tony Khan not stopping CM Punk to go into business for himself mm -hmm. that scrum. And two, the fucking altercation. So there's two things. Okay. You want to go further? Malachi Black just received his conditional release from All Elite Wrestling because... At the end of the day, let's be honest, he didn't feel like he was being used properly. So that's a problem, right? So oh, that's a huge three. one. That's three problems, right? Miro very uh, has been very judgmental about his treatment in AEW. He's still there, but he's been fucking judgmental. Mm -hmm. So that's four problems. Five problems. You have a problem with your young locker room because now the locker room is literally split between the pretty much, and, it's, and you can try to book this this way and make money, the Civil War, if you will, but... Let's be honest, it's the young guys who came through and AEW is their place, the pillars and everybody else, and then the WWE talent you just keep bringing in mm -hmm. to swatch them out. But here's the funny part. Even that WWE talent, you're pushing them to the back burner for other talent that comes in, i.e. CM Punk. It's the shiny new toy theory. It's fucking insane. Yeah. So there's a lot of problems, and we've and you know, go back in the history. I don't want to drag this hole down. That's why we were ending on a positive. We're talking about positive things that AEW can do. That's the editorial piece we're going to do after this. But my problem is, is this is the kind of shit that if the people like locker room leader Chris Jericho, and I and I assume that he's a locker room leader, mm -hmm. he was ahead of those meetings, and I, I, I gave him credit on our show when we did AEW Reborn, the special show, mm -hmm. right? Here it is. And this is a locker room leader, and you don't think that there's a lot of mistakes? How about the fact that, listen, no matter how the fact that Punk went into business for himself, he did bring up some valid points. Like, listen... The young talent not going to the veterans to learn from them, not taking advice, not wanting to learn more. And listen, I like Hangman Page, but it was Hangman Page that said that he didn't. Yeah, no, I don't care. No interest. Yeah. That was very public. And that's what one of the things that Punk called out. Was it professional for Punk to call it out? Absolutely not. But it doesn't make it not real. Right. And that's a problem. So there's another fucking problem. So just with us out as trying to bury and go too deep and not even getting into production and everything else, we've listed like seven fucking problems. And we could go on and on and on, but I don't want to be negative about it. I just think it's that's the rose-colored glasses. And if that's, I understand that maybe you're just putting that out to the media to take a like unified stance, but you shouldn't do it that way because it sounds like not only are you lying to the media, but you're lying to yourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and at the end of the day, if you don't think that there's problems, well, how are you going to fix the problems that there are? 
And if you're a locker room leader, that worries me. So that's why this is a little more serious than just, oh, you know, fucking Dustin Rhodes saying that he heard they're going to two-day pay-per-views, which is bullshit. It's just the narrative that you're trying to paint here. And that's the one thing that you've now been a company for over three years. Going, or four years now? This is year four. This is year four. You're now in that situation, and that's the problem right there is you have everything that's blended together. Like, what significant growth have you done? You've had some strides, yes, and there are some wins that you should be saying, but it's not a a perfect product. And to say, especially after All Out, there are some faults that need to get addressed. Are some people taking the steps in the right direction? Absolutely. But are you saying that it's a 9-to-1 ratio? Check your math. It's not that lopsided. It's a situation that if this is what you're buying and this is what you're selling, it's the wrong product. Have your receipt in hand to get it back because you can't sit there and sell this to the fans and say everything is fine when it's not. You can say, yeah, we've had some great strides. We have some room to improve, but we're going that direction and we're going to be a better product by the time you see us next year and really sell that point because that's where you should be going the fact that you guys are still harping on this oh we've had so much success so much success really define it your bet your pay-per-view rates your television ratings are hovering around the same they don't really matter to us obviously we've talked about this many times but how have they grown if you're plateauing you're just staying steady you're not growing you can't say it's perfect if you're not growing. If you're just happy doing what you're doing, hey, then that's you. But that's not what I would say is, is something to be bragging about. The final numbers, well, estimated numbers, because digital they know the exact numbers on. But they won't know the exact numbers on terrestrial pay-per-view for a few months. So the estimated numbers, adding the, what they know and d- downloaded via what they'll get from cable companies, says that All Out does an estimated 135,000 to 142,000 pay-per-view buy rates. That's coming from the Wrestling Observer and Dave Meltzer, and in the past they have not been wrong about those numbers, so I'm sure that they get them directly from Tony Khan. Sure. Okay, the last pay-per-view you did, which was double or nothing, and that was down, was 155,000. Mm-hmm. The pay-per-view before that, they did close to the 200,000 mark. Revolution? Yes. And then the all-out from the year before, well, it was hundred. Sorry, it was 173,000. And then all-out from last year was the highest they've ever done at 190,000. It was actually 180, some 88, whatever, whatever. I'm just rounding it. Sure. Because I don't give a shit about that exact number. Exactly. So just short of 200,000. So in a year, in a year, you have gone from almost 200,000 down to 135 to 142,000 for the same event a year later. That's a problem. And you're telling me that you have no problems. And once again, I'm not huge on those numbers. Once again, last year, the Dynamite after uh, All Out out was a one point, pretty much a 1.4. It was Mm -hmm. like 1.37, whatever, whatever. But it was a 1.4. We'll call it a 1.4. I'll even round up. Sure. This year's was a 1.035. So no matter what, from a year ago to now, you have dropped. And once again, it's not a, a sh- human shit ton. Not for pay-per-view, or not for uh, TV, at least. Right. On TV, you've dro- you dropped, what, uh, 300,000? Give or take. Give or take, right? 300,000, a little more than 300,000. But still, okay. But still, that's down from a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that is also coming off of like all that controversy. Yes. You would have thought that I would have bumped the rating. Oh, yeah, to see what did. happened. Now, I understand that overseas pay-per-views are not 50 bucks. I understand they're closer to 20, like a 20, 25. 20. 
Yeah. And ours are 50 here in the States. So I'm going to say $30 a pay-per-view so we can average this out. Okay. So at $30 a pay-per-view times 200000 which was last year, was $6 million mm-hmm. off a of pay-per-view revenue, right? Yeah. This year, if you let's go by the big number, 142000 right? Mm-hmm. Times that same thirty dollars is four million two hundred uh, four million two hundred sixty thousand dollars. So four point two six million. That is a loss of almost two million dollars. Yeah. One point eight one, something. Yeah, one point seven. One point seven, whatever, and two. So we'll say one point eight just to round it. Sure. I or or we could just say one point seven and round it up. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a less of a loss. Yeah. I'm just saying, just as a businessman, not being a dick. Not saying it's the end-all, be-all, but that is a problem. You lost almost $2 million on an event in a year, and that's going by an average number. Mm-hmm. And then also, you've lost 300000 from year to year, and that's not counting all the other wins. So I I just can't, I can't deal with the fact that if you don't know that there's a problem, you won't fix it. And that's what the next part that's going to be positive is. I want to get out of the negatives, but I'll give you one more. Uh, you want to add anything to this? No, it just goes back to the same narrative that we keep saying every day. That if you're trying to paint this picture that everything is is perfect, you need to clean the mirror and see the reality because otherwise your perception is not ever going to tell the true story. And that's one of the biggest problems that you guys have had in this entire time period that if you want to think that everything is fine and try selling that to the fan base so they start believing everything is fine. It's like if you say it enough times, you start believing it. It's now starting to really sober up and go, okay, this is where we're at. Like just really have that moment of clarity now that, okay, we have now had our lowest point in our company's history. Let's be honest about this. Where do we go from here? How do we improve? And that's the narrative you guys should be talking about. Agreed. Agreed. So let's do and go into a positive editorial. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. There's going to obviously be us talking some negatives here, but it's going to be in a positive light because there's big opportunities for AEW to now turn this gigantic negative, this huge storm, this whole shit storm that happened. You know, now almost two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a full week now, but you know, by the time most of you listen, this is a two week. If you want to say that, mm-hmm. and turn it into a giant positive, and we already said about last week that they did a good job being star and you know obviously i'm going to talk at the end about the fact that i'll be at dynamite in albany new york this upcoming wednesday right on so we're going to talk about that later Mm because i don't want that to be necessarily part of it but that does join into what they're doing currently and this is a a positive of what they're doing let's talk about some of the things that i think and you as well think that they should do that's positive and i want to start it off here it is if tony khan wants to be the boss if he wants to be the end-all be-all the buck has to stop somewhere. So the first thing that they need to do, and I don't think it's quite been done yet, but they what they need to do is Tony Khan needs to be the boss. Sitting there silent while one of your superstars runs down your company isn't being a boss. Sitting there like a deer in the headlights, allowing somebody... Now, mind you, I'm not putting all the blame on Tony Khan, but I am putting the blame of he could have stopped him any time. He's his boss at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as shut your mouth or else I'm not paying you. It's as simple as if you don't be quiet, you'll be gone. You're violating your contract. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Cut his mic. Tell the people to cut his mic. What's he going to do? What are you scared of? Well, that's the whole problem that he had is just you when you're not clear cut about who is the boss and who is the fan and that's how it comes across to some fans i've had this discussion on social media many times 
you really have to have that fine line drawn. And when situations like Punk rambling off and the post-scrum presser, and you're sitting right next to him, you need to assert yourself in there and do something. What's he going to do? Mouth something back? Guess what? You can always take him off TV. Cut the mic. Take the you know pictures out of here. Do what you need to and take control of the situation you're in. He hasn't done as great as you think he's done for your business. Yeah. And that's a big problem if that's your argument. Well, if that's your argument, then you're going to watch Rome build. Well, Rome build. Rome burn, sorry. Well, everybody fucking leaves because the important parts are going to be these young guys who don't want to be there anymore. And now it's viable for them to go over to World Wrestling Entertainment. Now it's not only viable for them to go to World Wrestling Entertainment, it's very sexy for them to do it. Mm-hmm. So you need to assert yourself as a boss or need to get somebody to be the boss. Let's now go to booking. I think what they should do in booking, you have so many great minds. And I know they've, they they hired some people and moved some people in office positions. I mean, one of them is Pat Buck, who is currently suspended. Yeah. One of them is Christopher Daniels, who's currently suspended, mm-hmm. all behind this altercation. However, why aren't we utilizing William Regal, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko way better? Like, you could have William Regal run your book, and you probably should. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, William Regal, when his contract's up, probably, in my estimation, is going to go back to go run shit in WWE with Triple H because they're peanut butter and jelly, if yeah. you know. However, that doesn't mean you can't take advantage of it now. Use that to your advantage now. That's the smart bet. That's what I would do. Or hire somebody. There's other minds out there for the wrestling business that are out there that you could hire and bring in. One that comes to mind is Delirious from Mm -hmm. Ring of Honor. Yeah. Years with a book. And and book some great shit. So why not somebody like that? So I really think that if you're going to move in a positive direction, Tony needs to spread the wealth a little bit. And he needs to not, not necessarily give people executive jobs, not necessarily give them complete control. He should still be the overseer, but he really, really needs to work on it. And they have a little bit, giving credit. Mm-hmm. There's some story stuff that we saw. We have very big pauses. We'll see where they go from the last dynamite. But I think that that needs to continue and maybe even a face of it, in my opinion. Thoughts? Absolutely right. That's something that he should do. I mean, if he still wants to be the quote-unquote head booker, have surrounding talent around you to guide you. It's almost like in the sense of Vince McMahon and Vince Russo way back in there in the attitude. You always hear how like the ideas are coming that someone would fine-tune in and really run with it and go someplace. That's what Tony needs to do because you have such a talent at your disposal of a William Regal. How is he not getting utilized? How is Arn Anderson not getting utilized? Hell, you got Mark Henry and the Big Show still that are on contract. Pick their brains. Get them into a writing session. Talk about where you want to go with certain wrestlers and run with it. You have so many people around you to help. It's not going to look bad if you do it's going to be a very smart look if you say hey this is what i'm thinking bounce those ideas off and fine tune it and then once it comes to tv it'll come off that much crisper and better that you'll start getting more fans to tune in and that's the overall goal of this you've already got your mainstays your numbers are plateaued you now have to grow that number so what are you going to do to entice a fan that's tuned out to tune in exactly i love it All right, next thing on the list, and it's something that we've been saying for a while. Let's build the divisions. But let's start not with a men's division. Let's start with the weakest division, the women's division. 
And I just want to read you a stat that I did check up on and it is 100% accurate. And it comes from our friends AEW Botches at AEW Botches on Twitter. And yes, I understand they're not a fan of the product. Mm. However, doesn't mean they're not right. Fun fact, this is exactly what they wrote. Fun fact, a grand total of just 24 minutes were set aside for women's wrestling during the last four episodes of AEW Dynamite. By the way, if you're wondering, this was uh, tweeted on 9-10-2022, which was this past Saturday. Meanwhile, this past week, hashtag WWE NXT featured 22 minutes of women's wrestling, exclamation point. By the way, and here's a shot that I'm going to use. Where's Denise Stopwatch Salisado when you need for, need her the most? Uh, that is in reaction to the fact that Denise, for the longest time, would set time watches yep. to WWE and NXT and talk about how, oh, yeah, they had this tournament, but the entirety of the tournament got 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't wrong. Right. But now, four weeks, four episodes. That's four weeks. That's a month. And that was build the build to all out mm-hmm. plus the post all out. 24 minutes. That's egregious. Of women's wrestling. That's so 24 egregious. 24 minutes. Meanwhile, NXT this past week did 22 minutes in one show. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to compare the two were there, but you wonder why some people give you so much shit. It is because there is a good fan base for women's wrestling. Absolutely. Proof of this is WWE's doing well on their ratings areas for women's wrestling. Impact Wrestling, one of the things that people talk about when they talk about women's wrestling, or sorry, Impact Wrestling, is the knockouts division. Mm-hmm. Women's wrestling has become popular. It is not a secondary thing anymore. Right. Meanwhile, in AEW, which they'll deny there's a problem, it's considered secondary. And that is a problem. If you want to bring in new viewers, if you want to bring in fans, and some that were disgruntled and went away because of it, you need to do something with the women's division, and that means give them time. Mm-hmm. In other words, not just do one match for the women every week on Dynamite and, and make it feel like it's a necessity mm-hmm. that you put it on for you know a five-minute match for at 9-10, 9-10 whatever it is. Mm-hmm. No, how about this week? They were early this past week, but it was still a short match between Penelope Ford and Tony Storm. Good match, Mm -hmm. but short. So why don't we give them a little more time? Meanwhile, you know, you will dedicate an entire hour to a Broadway. Yeah. But you can't give a woman's match 10 minutes? Yeah. Doesn't add up. I don't get it. And if you want people to stop judging you, how about we just fix it? It's not like the talent's not there. This is a company that I just mentioned, Tony Storm and Penelope Ford, even though their match was five minutes long, Mm -hmm. had a good match. Could you imagine if they got 10? Oh, my God, yeah. You have Britt Baker, who I don't think is the end-all, be-all. You know I've said that before, but she's still good. And she gets a hell of a fucking reaction. I mean, DMD is a big fucking reaction, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Why isn't she getting more time? Now, I'm not talking about promo seconds. I'm talking about in the ring. Jamie Hayter seems to get it done in the ring. Jade Cargill, people are interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there's a reason why she's only 37 and 0 after, what, a full year and some change? Yep. It's an interesting puzzle right now that could be easily fixed. You do have a very talented women's division in AEW, but you need to get them more time in the ring wrestling. By the way, just to correct you before you continue, I lied. It's two years of Jade Cargill, thirty-seven and zero. Okay. Continue on though. Sorry. No, no, you're no, you're right. But you, but when you don't see wrestlers on TV as much, I mean, Jade has been featured lately, and it's great because she is absolutely must-watch TV. 
you you start forgetting about stuff like this. And that's a situation that they could easily fix. It should not be every Wednesday night. We know around 9, 10, you're going to have the women's match. That's unexcusable. You have the talent. Focus on them on different parts of the show. Open with it. Hell, you could run more main events with the women's title being defended. You have that talent on your roster. Utilize it. Because the fact that it comes off the way it does is a complete disservice to that amazing roster. And this is a situation to get the fans watching if you start featuring them more. It shouldn't be, oh my gosh, I forgot Penelope before it was on the main roster when she came out last week. Because <laughs> people were saying that legitimately. That is not what you want to say. You want to say, holy crap, this is a fantastic match. And run with it and build some momentum because when you have such a deep roster to use, and don't say, well, dark and elevation, let's face it. There's a difference between TV and the uh, and the YouTube shows. By the way, for my point that I'm going to be making in a second, that 37 and 0 counts dark and elevation. Yeah. So that counts both those shows. Continue, though. But no, but just say, but what does everybody talk about? Everybody talks about Dynamite. Everybody talks Rampage. Dark and Elevation are treated as afterthoughts, unfortunately. But this is where you need to start utilizing what you're building there and start giving that women's division more time on TV. And you have to really give them time because people will watch. If it's a great match, people will watch. Enough said. If I just did my math correctly, which I do believe I did, uh, so I, I gave them some credit because I counted the first year of her career with just Dynamite and uh, dark, mm. and then for the second year, I counted dynamite, dark, dark elevation, and rampage. Okay, which is fair at 52 shows a year, all of them. Mm. So the first year, 104 shows, the second year, uh, 208. Gotcha, right? That so it was 200, I think it was 260 shows altogether. It would be 14% of the shows she's had a match. 0.1423, so we'll say 14% of the shows that Jade Cargill's wow. had a match in two years. 14%, which is very, very low Yeah, that's, for a star. That's in, Yeah, that's And if you really break it down, good. out of 260 possible shows, she only wrestled on 37 of them. That's... Because she's never... Now if, you, now, if they're not adding tag matches, let's say we add a couple, even if it's 25%, that's a little low. So even if you said that instead of 37, we were at 50, 50 shows out of 260 wrestled? Yeah, that's not good. And I don't even think that's the real number. But that No, but that, that optic fair, is... Right? That op, it's, a, it's unfortunately a fair optic. And I do stress unfortunately. So this is where the, the area needs to get addressed. And you can't say... Oh, the X, Y, and Z won't draw as much ratings as A, B, and C. No, you have to give them time to get connected with that audience so they're invested. Like I say, if you have to hear about people online chanting, I forgot this person was on the roster, that's a bad problem to have. That's an extremely bad problem. So let's fix the women's division. Let's make it must-see TV. That's going to bring in a certain amount of audience. I think that works. Okay, we win there. So then... Let's go about ratings matter or rankings matter. Well, ratings, that too. Rankings matter. Ugh. They should have never done this. I agree. And you know what the biggest glaring one is? Tag team. Who has been the number one contenders for the AEW World Tag Team Champions for now eight fucking months? FTR. How many uh, AEW World Tag Team title shots have they got since they've been the number one contenders for eight months? Zero. That's correct. Rankings matter 
First of all, don't put your fucking match totals. Don't put their wins and losses because that is where it's a big, big problem. I think that you need to do away. If you're not going to treat them like they matter, then don't say it. Because if it mattered, if a team is the number one contender for eight fucking months, where does it matter? Not to mention in that time, that team has won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, the IWGP Tag Team titles, and the AAA Tag Titles. Actually, I think they had the AAA titles before. But still, mm. they have three title belts that don't belong to the company that signs them. Mm-hmm. The company that's their primary company has not given them a title shot to the point that this past week, and we have it right here because, of course, we discussed it. Dax Harwood said, hey, it's nice that the acclaimed and uh, swerving your glory are getting a good a shot at Grand Slam. But uh, can can we get a shot if uh, to the winner? Yeah, exactly. When they're making fun of it, this is a problem. And this is where you are. We're so adamant about making these rankings matter. Rankings don't matter because you don't follow suit with them. There's no consistency to them. And you could say, well, X, Y, and Z got skipped over. It doesn't matter if they're the number one contenders for eight nine months now, and they have not gotten a title shot for reasons. It's not adding up. Do away with them. You can have a number one's contenders match and plug and play who are two teams, two wrestlers in there, and go from there, and guess what? It works just the same because you're not really having these crazy three versus five matchups. You're not emphasizing that. It's just noteworthy because it's it's on the website and people can read about it, and that's doing a disservice to a team that is arguably the best tag team on the planet right now. They're champions all over the place, but yet they can't get a title shot in their home federation. Like, it doesn't matter up. So they need to go away. Revitalize that whole idea. Like, just come up with something else to do it. Just have a number one contender and leave it at that. And you can't say FTR because if they're not getting the title shot, it's just it's a title that has no meaning. It's a sentence on a paper. That's it. I agree. But yeah, so there's another another positive. Get rid of the rankings, or at least follow them. Mm-hmm. One of the two. I mean, you have to stick to the guns here. And mind you, it sounds like we're being critical. We are being critical because these are things that should change for them to be better. Yes, change for them to be better because we can't have another CM Punk incident happen. That's why Tony's got to be a strong leader if he's going to be the leader, or hire somebody to be a strong leader. Mm-hmm. That's why you need better booking because last week on Dynamite, to be fair, was very good, and it's, it started off a thing, but we have to continue it. I'm going to be there live in person this upcoming week on Dynamite. So hopefully those stories and everything carry over. But I think their biggest opportunities right now are the two divisions, women's and tag. And for the longest time, they were known as the tag team division. But it's kind of weird when now... You have the top tag team in the world, the one that has the biggest buzz, and they've been your number one contenders for eight months and nothing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in that time, we saw a championship reign from uh, Jurassic Express. Yep. Which is fine. Cool. Give the young kids their due. Whatever. Uh, we saw the Young Bucks become the first two-time champions. Reasons. We saw you know, Swerve in Our Glory, which we just threw two WWE guys together. Let's call it what it is. Reasons. become champions yeah. and, and they've never seen eye to eye mm-hmm. so there's this you know eh, partnership we see the acclaimed who hopefully will should have won the titles at all out but hopefully will at grand slam uh, you would so I'll, think. Give them, I'll give them credit at least they're over as fuck right well i mean the, the question you're going to have now is are they going to be able to carry that momentum because unfortunately i see the same problem that they're they're going to have with Liv morgan and 
uh, Hangman Page. The chase there is great because now they're so over, but what are they going to do after? That's going to be the problem. Well, it's easy. You just drop the belts to the FTR. It's fine. Yeah. That's fine booking. That's what should due, happen. Yeah. Give them their due until full gear and then drop the belts. So they get a couple-month run. There's no shame in that. No, but that's what they should do, but will right. it happen? That's the question. Well, that's what they should have done with Jurassic Express, but that drug on too long, exactly. too. Exactly. That's what I'm fearing. But, you know, on top of this, look at the, look at all these teams that you have in AEW who didn't get shots or got brief shots. Like, the fact that the Proud and the Powerful not only weren't champions, but I don't remember the last time they had a shot. Now, I understand that Santana's injured, mm-hmm. but let's go back to when they were both healthy. They didn't get shots at those belts. I can't remember them ever getting a shot. I don't even know if they ever had one. If they did, it was a while ago. So far, you know, it's harder. If you can't remember it, that means it's not there. The Lucha Bros. It mm. seems like forever since their title reign. Yeah. And where were they in the thing? Meanwhile, the Varsity Blondes, I remember three different times on Dynamite got shots. Mm-hmm. And nobody cared. Hey, how about this? The Dark Order. Yeah. Who you've never really built up. They, you know, and they got a handful of shots, different incarnations. But it was just jobber shots. Mm-hmm. It's fucking ridiculous, man. We need to keep that tag division. The tag division is what kept you separate from World Wrestling Entertainment. And pretty soon, that might not be a thing anymore. Yeah. It might be WWE decides, oh, we're going to fucking put all this stuff into our tag division. You know, the same way that they rebuilt up the Intercontinental title, rebuilt up the United States title. Mm-hmm. They, they've restocked the women's division. Like, you, you know, sometimes you do have to do things like your competitor, and sometimes that's how you get some fans in. I'm sure if if you did paid more attention to the women, more fans would come. I'm sure if the tag team division felt important again, where it was main eventing pay-per-views, more fans would come. Absolutely. I mean, you have to give a broader sense of welcome to your fans because if you're just doing the same old stuff every week, you're not growing. But you have to try reaching out to fans that like women's wrestling, that like tag team wrestling. You have to bring them in because if they're even just going to pop in and just watch that one match, guess what? That's new eyes on the product, and you got a 50-50 shot of winning them over. So that's going to bring us to the fact that, uh, you know, selfishly, I'm going to be at Dynamite Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that's going to bring me to the continuation, and hopefully we continue off the momentum of last week's Dynamite. And what needs to happen here is we need to be building to Grand Slam because that's a big event, right? Yep. And that's the following Wednesday. Yep. I mean, all roads point to there because both semifinal matches for the vacant AEW World's Championship are both at Dynamite this Wednesday. Correct. So on one end, we have Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, going one-on-one again against Chris Jericho, which I'm fine with. And on the other side of the bracket, we have Sammy Guevara going one-on-one with John Moxley. Yep. So here's what we need to happen. And this is my opinion. Once again, I see I could see any of these guys winning. But I think the most interesting matchup here is Danielson versus Moxley in the finals. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the reason why is that as much as people want to push Sammy, Sammy, Sammy goes to the finals, that just means he's losing. And I fear that if, if they pull some weird shit where Sammy goes to the finals and Jericho goes to the finals, it's going to be a letdown because it's going to be the finger poke of doom, and that's a mistake. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He just joined the JAS again. It's not happening. And like, if you end up with Sammy versus Danielson, it's just saying that we're handing the belt to Danielson. Mm-hmm. There's no way you're handing the belt to, to Guevara for the same reasons that Liv Morgan being champion was a mistake. Yeah. And and at least with her, you get a pop because she's a face. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a pop 
for Guevara. No, that would so be an ugly crowd. So the smart move when I'm in Albany is going to see John Moxley defeat Sammy Guevara, probably handily. Mm-hmm. And then a nice war, great match should be one of the matches of the week between Danielson and Jericho, where I'm assuming Mr. Garcia will get involved. That would make the most sense, yes. Right. So that's what I'm assuming. Next up, while we're there, I don't, I don't even know exactly what we have completely booked here, but I think we need to carry storylines on. I think we need to see something out of MJF, at least a promo, in my opinion. Also, I would like to see something more with Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy just started that great promo with uh, Luchasaurus coming off of the Christian Cage injury, right? Mm-hmm. I want to see more from that this Wednesday. That's what they should do. So I need a little more of that story, whether it's a promo, whether it's uh, uh, Jungle Boy being in a match, whether it's Luchasaurus being in the match, and then Jungle Boy making himself known. I need to see something more from there. Also, you know who the biggest draw is that I can't that I want to see on on Dynamite, and I can't believe I'm saying it. If you asked me two years ago, Wardlow. That's right. I want to hear this is war, and and Wardlow needs to come to the ring, and he needs to decimate. I don't give a fuck if it's some jobbers. Put him in there with the three jobbers. Put it on the screen just like they did in uh, in JCW for Joshua Bishop. Just put jobbers. Mm. You don't even have to put their fucking names. It just, I just want to see him powerbomb Symphony 3 guys. Yeah. Let's go. Well, that's what you need to do. You, you, he's, he should be the one that's in this world title tournament. Should be at this stage. I'm assuming, you know, we're coming into a big event. We know that the tag titles are on the line. I'd like to see one of the tag team competitors. I want to see one of the tag teams in a tag team match, or maybe both tag teams. Mind you, they film Rampage, so I don't give a fuck if it's on Dynamite or Rampage. Or maybe, hey, why don't we do this? One-on-one matches between yep. all the competitors. One one match can happen on Rampage, one on Dynamite, or both on Dynamite. Yeah. Once again, we're talking about moving a story forward with Swerve in Our Glory and the Acclaimed. I'm talking about moving the story forward with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I'm talking about moving the story forward towards the vacant world title picture. They did all of this great last week, but the problem is every time they take nine steps forward, they tend to take it back. I need you to keep taking the steps forward. And that's going to be the big test for All Elite Wrestling this week, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And that's the biggest thing that I can add for the positive. Because... Yes, we're critiquing, but this is all coming from the positive. If, if you do these things, it's going to benefit. And the biggest thing is to keep moving the story forward. Keep moving the story forward. Let's not bog down and bullshit and keep moving the story forward. Right now, we have to rely on that. And that means let's see more of what people want to see. Let's see more Wardlow. Let's see more Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy right now because that's a story. Mm-hmm. Let's see this tag team situation with the acclaimed and swerve in our glory. And that's a double story because you have whatever's going on with the tag champs. And then you have the acclaimed trying to climb the mountain. Double story. Perfect. And then the world title picture. And then outside of that, we got Daniel Garcia and whatever's going on with him in the JAS. Let's see some more of that moving it forward. Plus, you also got the storyline going on with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Yeah, why not move that forward? Hey, remember when we said let's improve the women's division? Mm-hmm. Let's start there. How about this? How about we do a tag team women's match? And if I call this, by the way, we don't have any information. No, we, I just checked. We just checked to make sure, which is weird because usually they have all the dynamite listings by now. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go 
Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker DMD versus I don't know. Take your you take a pick. Any two wrestlers. I don't care which women's it is. You know, obviously you're not going to do the heels with Jade Cargill and the baddies, but like whoever you could do, you could do for lack of better term, you can do jobbers, you know, or people that, you know, who's, you know, who the fans like Willow Nightingale. Mm -hmm. So why don't we do like Willow Nightingale and Athena, Athena. There you go. Perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, it doesn't really matter who they're going against because what we're doing is building the story of the dissension in the ranks of Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We need to build that along. Maybe one takes a shot during the match. Yeah. And then they win the match still, but there's friction. Mm-hmm. You start right? building up on that. And you keep building up that friction because eventually we get Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus, versus Jamie, Jamie Hader. Hader. And guess what? We get magic. Yeah. And give that match 10 minutes. Give that tag match 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And 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 let's let's you know, we know you can sow deception because you did it with Swerve in our glory. Let's do the same thing with Jamie Hader. And then we have Rebel in the middle. Yeah. Works perfect. And she's trying to like broker both sides. Bring everybody back to the table. You have the reluctant handshake because you're not dissolving it this week. Mm-hmm. And you continue that story on. And you continue it on for the next couple months. And then finally, finally, it comes to a boil. Yep. And bam, just like that. Now you have either Jamie Hayter as a huge face or you have Britt Baker as a huge face, depending upon which one you want to turn face. Well, I think a lot. Because one of them makes it... I mean, think about it. The smart thing would be to make Britt Baker face because they already chant DMD. Yeah. However, we could swerve it the other way too. Depends on how you break it up. You could swerve it because I know a lot of people online are asking for Jamie Hayter to join the BCC. There you go. And I think that would be huge as well. How perfect with that? And that they have a woman member on top of that it'd be great because now the crowd is going to be invested Britt Baker is going to look like a villain and Jamie Hayter is going to get the pop mm-hmm. it works. easy easy peasy lemon squeezy folks at home and that's how easy it is to upgrade your females division mm-hmm. not very hard I'm, and I mean that no it's called give them time and give them a story and then you know what maybe do a second women's match how about we feature some people we haven't seen how about we feature Penelope Ford who had a badass match how about we can feature Tony Storm in some more matches uh, you go you could take her and put her in eliminator matches we, we love doing that with a male champion mm-hmm. why don't we take the, our, our women's champion or same, same with Jade Cargill yeah take our women's champion put them in eliminator matches the fact that she's 37 and 0 let's do 38 and 0 this week there shouldn't be a week on TBS where we don't have a Jade Cargill match. She's the fucking TBS champion. And by the way, that match can be five minutes in squashes. You can bring in jobbers for it. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. The whole point of the matter is to make her feel like a big deal. And the best part of that story is this. She just starts taking on jobbers. They're only picking out jobbers. We know they're only picking out jobbers. Right. Because they're people who don't have all elite wrestling contracts. Right? Mm-hmm. Or low tier. Girls yeah. that are new, young. And she's just taking advantage of that. She's squashed, pretty much squashed, but you can get some offense in. You don't have to be complete squash. Sure. But, you know, five-minute matches. And the reason being is, A, next week she's 38-0. The week after that, she's, this is what they should have been doing all along. She's 39-0. She's 40-0. She's 41-0. She's 42-0. She's 45-0. She's 60-0. and And then she's on TV every week. And the crowd fucking boos her. Yeah. And guess what? That's what you used when you bring back Chris Statlander from injury mm. or whoever in between now and then that's going to challenge the throne. So when you're building to the pay-per-view... It writes itself. Oh, my God. All you have to do is go, hey, you're not just wrestling people who are young and jobbers. 
You're not taking on real competitors. I'm the fucking number one contender. I'm taking my shot. Mm-hmm. And then Jade either, you know, then you give Jade a little longer match if it's somebody challenging. And it looks good, and she can either stay champion and keep that momentum going and keep building, or you can take the belt off her if it's the right person. I think Chris Statlander will be the right person, but that's going to be months down the road for his injury. Mm -hmm. So guess what? Months down the road, by the time she comes back and finally dethrones her, Jade Cargo could be 75, 80, and 0. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. And it's a great story because then she could also, in between on those pay-per-views and special events, she can get in some bigger talent in there. She can wrestle Athena again. She can wrestle if Ruby Soho. When she gets uh, healthy, she can wrestle her. Mm. She can wrestle Penelope Ford. She can because you can, you can have heels and faces, but they're topper. They're more top-tier competitors that she can wrestle at the big shows like the Battle of the Belts or the things like Grand Slam or the actual pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. And then when Chris Statlander comes back and she's defeated all these jobbers and then she's stepped up to the test to beat all these next-tier wrestlers on pay-per-view and special events, she feels like a big deal. Yeah. A bigger deal than she already is. So then when you have Chris Statlander versus... And hell, you don't even have to take the belt off for the first time. You could build a little three-month feud there, a little four-month feud there where the first time Jade Cargill squeaks out the victory by nefarious means mm-hmm. and then they still are feuding while jade's picking up you know more victories and they're still feuding she's refusing doing the chicken shit heel oh i already beat you, you don't get a title shot yeah and then finally we're forced to have a title shot in a stipulation match there you go and here we go it writes its fucking self folks keep it simple stupid it's the kiss method mm-hmm. and that's how you make AEW better and that's how all of us fans would be like this is the best fucking product on television yeah now, the in-ring stuff is usually pretty fucking good. Mm, I'll give you if that. If we start adding the stories, which they've added, and let's take it to the next tier, like we just started pitching, and if you have a boss who is in charge and isn't letting the, the inmates run the asylum, and if you have a straight booking line, which is part of the stories, and you build up the two divisions, the, the tag division, which you already had the best of, which we need to get back there, mm-hmm. and the women's division, which everybody's always thought is an afterthought, we'd make it not an afterthought, you're going to draw in those mythological casual fans because between casual fans like storylines and they like good matches. Yeah. So they like the women's division, the tag division, the men's division, the cruiserweight division, the six-man division, whatever division they're going to like as long as the matches are good. But you know what draws them in? Story. Mm-hmm. Because then all these things have a story. Then they can go, oh, man, I'm really digging this acclaimed versus swerving our glory. I'm really digging this Jade Cargill squashing people. And then she gets these challenges and she overcomes. And, man, who's going to take her down? She becomes the female Roman Reigns. Yeah. It should be this simple. I shouldn't have to go reasons to try explaining AEW and what they do. I want to sit there. I want to be entertained by in great in-ring work. And I get that. But I need storylines to balance it out. And this writes itself. This is easy one-on-one stuff to do. You have the roster to do it. Make it happen. And trust me, we've started to see seeds of that happen this past week with Dynamite, which was one of the best Dynamites they've had in recent memory. And Rampage was on point from top to bottom. Capitalize on that moving forward. That's right. Let's go. And I'm going to be there live. I'm going to be taking pictures and video. And I hope I come out of it going, man, AEW Live is nothing like it. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. I want to be like, man, this was just like when I go to GCW. Or, man, this is just like when I went to, well, maybe not WrestleMania. That's a little under. Yeah, that's a little, but, yeah. But, you know, WWE television back in the day because it's been a while since I've been to a WWE TV show. But, like, 
I want to be like, hey, man, this is a great feeling. And the crowd was energetic and the wrestling was good and everything was great. That's what I want from this. And yeah. I hope it's that way. And I, I, I'm expecting it to be that way. So the bar is set not super high because I, I don't want to misjudge them. But the bar is still going to be like, hey, you guys need to get there. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And I have faith it's going to happen. Can't wait. So you guys keep your salaries out on the socials because I'll definitely be posting them. And I'll definitely be talking about it next week. With that being said, Ken M, tell these fine folks one more time how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Same thing with the Patreon. Same thing with the Public Parlay points section of the website. You definitely want to go check out for a new blogs count anywhere. Talking MLW Super Series this week, along with Pro Wrestling Revolver and some more AEW talk that we didn't get a chance to really deep dive into on both the ODPH and 7 TWS. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Pod, Podcast and players to find everybody's stuff because we'd like to share the wealth of the whole 607 podcast family. All of that and so much more, odphpodcast.com. Of course, if you want to find anything out about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNpodcast.com. Uh, there you got the Patreon link. You got the Twitch link. You got all the social media links. You've got friends of the show like the ODPH. You've got local sponsors like Dragon Master Games for all your Magic Gathering gaming needs. Dragonmastergames.com. Hit it up. One-stop shop. 3FNpodcast.com. Com. With that being said, that's going to draw us to a close. Ken M, we're going to close it out the same way we do each and every week. Our good friend Second Suitor in the song is One Winged Angel. We are going to have a good time. We're going to watch some wrestling. I hope you guys are too. And next week, we will be back for another edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. Until then, for myself, for Ken M, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And most importantly, later wrestling fans. If you take my hand, we could order Chinese.
a smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three